listening to the podcast of Northside Assembly of God in Crowley, Louisiana. Amen. How many of you are ready for the word? All right. After today, I'm only going to be able to say that two more times. So, uh, but anyway, we are trying to finish up Colossians here on this Pentecost Sunday. I'm going to try to tie this in also with Pentecost Sunday. You know, one of the things about Pentecost Sunday is we're reminded about the necessity of having encounters with God. God is not just someone we study about, think about, learn about. God is one that we encounter, not just once, not just once, but every day. God is accessible to us. He's available to us. And I want to teach you, you know, one of the ways we can approach having those ongoing encounters with Jesus. The title of the sermon this morning is Stay Awake. It's not just a sermon title either. It's, uh, it's an instruction to you. Stay awake. Colossians chapter 4. We're, I have three sermons left to go. We're going to finish Colossians in three sermons. We are going to do it. I promise you we will although it's not going to seem like it when we just look at one verse today. So we're in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. And I want us to look at this a couple times. I want us to really digest this verse together. Colossians 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. Let's pause and pray and direct our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. We're grateful for the move of the Spirit in our lives on an ongoing basis. Holy Spirit, have your way today. Speak into the deepest part of who we are. Help us, God, to eliminate any distractions that would try to compete for your attention Internally, externally, Lord, I pray that we would block that out as best we can. And that we would, as an act of worship, now listen deeply. Listen intentionally, not just to the words of a man. May we hear the Holy Spirit's voice and have an encounter with God today. Speak to our hearts, change our lives, and may your kingdom be established in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this verse, we see three elements here. In this one sentence, three elements to Paul's instruction to the Colossians. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. He says, keeping alert in it, which we might just call, we might just say it this way, being watchful. So prayer, being watchful, and then he says, with thanksgiving. So we would say, be grateful. So we see three elements in this one sentence. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and being grateful. Three distinct elements to his instruction, and yet he weaves them together in this one sentence. These three things are meant to blend together. He he would say it this way, pray, and as you pray, be watchful, and as you're being watchful, be grateful. So there are three things, but they're really one thing. And Paul says this is something we are to be devoted to. Commit yourself to it. Make space for this in your everyday life intentionally. Now, over the years, I've talked a lot about prayer here at Northside. 
It's been one of the major emphasis of my ministry, especially over the last four years. It's been a major part of what we do here. And so I don't want to talk so much about prayer today. But I do want to focus and zero in on these two other elements. The first one is be watchful. Everybody say be watchful. The second one, be thankful. Everybody say be thankful. I want to talk about these two things. Being watchful, being thankful, and how these two things really connect together. In this context, the command to be watchful has to do with keeping our eyes open to see things and pay attention to things that we ordinarily otherwise wouldn't see and wouldn't pay attention to. We, would, we, we are to be watchful and keep alert of things beyond just the surface. You know, for the average, typical American person who has an unregenerate heart and an unregenerate mind, all they really tend to focus on is the surface of life. The physical realm, the realm that they can see, taste, touch, feel, and smell. And that's what they give all of their attention to, all of their focus is the world that's on the surface, the life that's on the surface. But as kingdom people, we're called to look deeply and to see beyond the surface and what's presented to us on the edge of life and to look deeper, even into the unseen world. In other words, we are to be watchful, first of all, for the activity of God in our lives, to pay attention, to look, to notice, to see and observe the workings of God all around us. And the more we can see and pay attention and acknowledge the goodness and the beauty and the wonder and the glory of God around us in everyday life, it causes gratitude to swell up in our hearts. So in other words, being watchful for the activity of God naturally leads us to being thankful. You see how that connects. And one of the things we see emphasized throughout the New Testament is that God is constantly active. Jesus says, my father's always working. Paul says it this way in Acts 17 as he's talking to these Athenian philosophers. And he says that from the beginning with Adam and Eve, God has been at work in the rise and fall of various nations to get people to search for him and possibly find him. Though Paul adds, in truth, he's not far from any of us. So Paul's saying when you look over at world history, you see a lot of stuff. You see empires rise and fall, nations rise and fall. You see uh, great leaders and dictators and, you know, Cyrus the Great and Nebuchadnezzar and Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar, all the way up into the 18th, 19th, 20th century, 21st century. We, we see all of these world events, all of these human activities, these leaders and empires and nations. And for the average typical person, that's all they see. They just see what's on the surface. But Paul's saying you got to know un Underneath the surface that people look at, God is at work. God is active in the world in every human heart to bring as much goodness as possible, to bring about as much redemption as possible, to pull people to him and to minimize evil as much as possible. And we sure do see a lot of evil in the world, don't we? When you look out, not just at history, but even the current affairs of life, there's so much nasty stuff and ugly things that we see around the world. And that's because sometimes we as human beings, with our God-given free will, we don't always use that free will in cooperation with God's agenda. But God will not force us. God will not coerce us. He invites us and he warns us, but he will not control us. Because you can't have a loving relationship with somebody if you're controlling them. Love 
demands a free choice. So God's given us freedom. Sometimes we don't use that freedom the way that is healthy for us. And so because of that, we see a lot of ugliness in the world. But you got to know when you see ugly things happen in the world, it's not because God's pulling the strings or God's manipulating things. It's not because God is there doing it. God is constantly on the side of good. God is constantly working to minimize evil. In fact, if God were not present working in the world right now, this world as it exists, it would be unimaginably beautiful, uh, evil and, and horrible and nasty. And what this means, if you think about it, is that there's never been a single nanosecond of your life where God has not been there and where God has not been working. I don't care how you feel about it. I don't care which, if you think about it. I don't care if you realize it. God has been constantly at work in your life, even in the darkest moment of your life, when you felt most alone, when you felt most rejected, you were not alone and you were not rejected by God. Whether you realize it or not, God has been at work from the very beginning in every moment of your life, working to bring as much good as possible, working to bring as much blessing as possible, working to bring as much redemption as possible and to minimize the effects of evil in your life. Even in the nightmarish things, some of you right now, when I say that, you know what it is. You know that nightmare that you went through. You have to know that God's heart breaks over that. And rather than being the one who caused that nightmare, God's the one who's just trying to bring redemption through the nightmare. He's trying to bring good out of the nightmare. He's trying to minimize the nightmare. God has always been on the side of good, and he's always been on your side, and he has been every moment of your life. And Paul's saying, wake up to that. Keep alert. Open your eyes and see it. Every day in the big things and small, notice the goodness and mercy of God pouring into your life. And as you observe it, as you stay watchful and stay alert, gratitude's going to swell up in your heart. And you're not going to take God for granted. And it's going to change your life. I think that's really the key to having a changed, transformed life. Being watchful, being grateful. And we're not just being watchful for the activity of God. We're being watchful for the activity of the enemy. How I many of you know we have an enemy? His name is Satan. He hates us. Whereas God is always trying to bring life, Satan wants to destroy life. Whereas God is always trying to bring good, Satan's always trying to bring evil. And so we are to be watchful, to stay alert, to keep our eyes open, to stay awake so that we can resist evil and participate in the good and give thanks for the good. Because as James says, Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Even when other people are the carriers of that goodness. Like a couple nights ago, Carrie and I were blessed. We had some really good friends in our church who took us out to eat at a great restaurant. We had delicious food and they paid for our meal, glory to God. And we were thankful for that. And we thanked them because they did it out of the goodness of their heart. But you know what? That goodness wouldn't even be in their heart if it weren't for the goodness of God. Every ounce of goodness that exists in the world ultimately finds its origin in the heart of God. And so it's appropriate not to just thank those people, but we thank God because God is constantly, if God were not constantly infusing the world with his goodness, this world would be one long sustained nightmare, unimaginable. And so we need to be watchful and we need to be grateful. Everybody say be watchful and be thankful. Over and over again in the New Testament, we see in various forms these two commands. Be watchful, stay alert, keep your eyes open, be grateful, be thankful. 
These two instructions permeate the entire New Testament. And I think one of the things that should tell us is that being watchful and being grateful are things that you and I wouldn't ordinarily otherwise do on our own. That's why Paul says you got to devote yourself to it. Commit to this. Disciple your minds to do this. Do this with intentionality. Because if we're not daily, intentionally looking to see the activity of God in our lives, we stop seeing it. We stop noticing it. And we stop expressing gratitude to God for it. And what happens is now we just degenerate and we become, we become acclimated to the patterns of the culture. We stop noticing the things we're supposed to be noticing. And we stop responding to things the way we're supposed to respond to things. And what happens is ingratitude now begins to infiltrate our hearts. And this is where I want to get right here. This is Everything I've said now is leading me to this point. This is what's on my heart right here. What I'm talking about when it comes to being watchful and being grateful, I believe this is the most significant challenge for kingdom people when it comes to having a vibrant faith. If you were to ask me, Pastor Ryan, why is it that so many Christians lose their faith? Why does that happen? There are those people who lose their faith because maybe they go through a tragic situation and they don't have answers for it and their faith is just not strong enough to handle it. And so their faith crashes and burns. There are also those people who maybe they encounter an atheist or a skeptic who gives them some objection to their faith and they just don't know how to process it and it messes with their minds and eventually their faith crashes and burns. Those people exist. I'm not, I, I want to make sure I say that. But most of the time, when a Christian loses their faith or loses the vitality and the vibrancy of their faith, that's not how it happens. Most of the time it happens, listen, through a slow process of decay where we just sort of backslide in slow motion. We haven't been watchful. We haven't been vigilant. We haven't been alert. We haven't been staying awake. We haven't been intentionally grateful. And so what happens is we degenerate into just having a normal, typical American secular worldview. And the reason why it's so dangerous is because it happens without us noticing it because we still have all the right beliefs. We still believe in God. We still believe in Jesus. We still participate in Christian activities. We still come to church, but there's no vibrancy. There's no passion. There's no fire in our bones. In terms of just the way we see life on a day-by-day basis and the way we experience life on a day-by-day basis, the, the, the way that you encounter the world, it's, it's no different than that of the atheist who lives next door. The only difference between you and that atheist is that you just happen to have certain intellectual beliefs that that person doesn't have. But when it comes to the way you experience life and experience the world around you, it's no different than the skeptic who lives in your neighborhood. To the degree, listen, to the degree that we fall asleep spiritually, you'll find that the talk of Jesus isn't readily on your lips. Maybe it used to be that you saw God involved in your life and he was a present reality and gratitude just swelled in your heart. And when you thought about salvation, it meant something to you. And when you thought about the mercy of God on your life, it moved you. There was a passion. There was a vibrancy. There was some feeling there. But if we're not being vigilant, if we're not staying watchful, we're not staying alert and staying grateful. 
And those things I just mentioned, they just become beliefs. And now we don't talk about Jesus the way we used to talk about Jesus. We, you talk about other things that most people talk about. You talk about weather and sports and politics, and that's all fine. But if somebody came to you and says, what is Jesus doing in your life? I think there's a lot of Christians, maybe even Christians watching me right now and listening to this right now. If somebody were to come to ask you, what is Jesus doing in your life? I think there's a lot of folks who just don't have anything meaningful to say. Whatever they do say just sounds artificial. I mean, what? just don't answer out loud. Just think about it. If I looked at you in the eye and I asked you, what is Jesus doing in your life? What would you say? Someone might say, well, uh, you know, Jesus died for me. Yeah, it's 2,000 years ago. What did Jesus do for you yesterday? What did Jesus do for you today? What is he doing for you today? What is God speaking to you right now? What is one of the main themes right now that God's been pressing upon you? Do you understand that if you're going to have anything meaningful to say at that moment, it's only going to be because you've been staying vigilant. You've been staying watchful. You've been keeping alert. You've been intentional about your spiritual health. Because if we're not being vigilant, if we're not being watchful, if we're not staying alert, then eventually the passion and the vitality seeps out of our relationship with God. Y'all might get rid of me before June 13th. Man, this is a hard message. It applies to our marriages. I mean, marriage to me is the ultimate metaphor for our walk with God. We learn so much about our walk with God in marriage, I think. Many of us do. Here's a couple who get married, and there's so much excitement, so much passion and vibrancy in their relationship. You know, there's just such life there. But I'm going to tell you something. If you don't stay in constant communication, and if you're not regularly looking deeply into one another and bearing your soul, and opening up your heart, and you get into this mode where you just start taking each other for granted, what, in, what ends up happening over time is the life just begins to seep out of the marriage. And you, 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 you just realize one day that really what you've become is just glorified roommates. And maybe you're roommates with benefits, as they say, but eventually if you stay in that mode long enough, the benefits go out the window too. And you just get into this rut. You get into this routine. You're going through the motions. You're just coasting. And you're still doing all the things married people do. Cooking meals, mowing the grass, taking out the trash, washing dishes, hanging out with friends, watching TV. But there's no spark there. There's no passion there. There's no life and vitality there. And if you stay in that position long enough, you get to the point one day where you, you realize you wake up one day and you're, you're laying next to a stranger. And you're like, who are you? You're not the person I married. Because you know what? They're not. You know why? Because people change. Listen, life is not like a pond that stays the same, that just stays stagnant and never changes. Life is like a river that's constantly flowing, constantly moving, constantly changing and evolving, if I can use that term. That's the way people are. Carrie and I, this week, we're going to celebrate our 16th wedding anniversary. When, thank you, when Carrie and I got married at the age of 23, I'm 39, in case you need to do the math, just, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. When we got married at 23, the person that I married, Carrie Singley, is not the same person I'm married to today. 
I mean, there's a lot of similarities, but she's a very different person. I'm a very different person than, I, than the, per, the, the man that she married with highlights in his hair. I, I don't know if I had highlights back then or not. I don't anymore. But we're different. I would never highlight my hair today. You know? We're different. We're different people. And in 10 years, her and I are going to be totally different people than who we are right now. And see, in marriage, if you're not staying in constant communication, opening up your heart, looking deeply, getting beyond the surface of the thing, then what happens is these two rivers that are flowing, eventually they begin to flow apart. And when marriages are having difficulty, the problem is never that people change. The problem is that you're, you're changing in different directions. You're not changing together. The rivers of your lives are not intersecting on a regular basis. Folks, this is what happens in our walk with God. When you first, Brother Randy talked about it a moment ago, when you, when you first give your life to Jesus, normally there's a lot of passion and vibrancy there, a lot of excitement. But if you don't stay in constant communication with God, which is what prayer is, and if you don't discipline yourself to stay alert and stay awake and notice on a daily basis, where was God present in my life? How has God blessed me? Where's God's goodness all around me. If you're not noticing that, if you're not taking time to stay aware of God and stay intentionally grateful to God, then what happens is eventually God becomes a stranger to you. And there's just no passion and intimacy whatsoever. We're not keeping that spark alive. And it's so dangerous because it happens without us realizing it because we still have all the beliefs we still believe all the right things. We are still doing all of the normal Christian stuff we've, we've done all our lives. We still attend church. We're, we may even serve in the church still. But the motivation for doing all of these things is now just out of a sense of duty and obligation rather than being compelled by the love of Christ. Are you all with me today? Mm. And when we find ourselves in this position, how do we make, how do we make our way back? The answer is right there in Colossians 4 too. Devote yourselves. Devote yourselves. Nobody can do this for you. Man, this is one of the biggest challenges as a pastor is I can want this for you. I can pray it on your behalf. I can preach it to you. I can't make it happen in your life. I can only show you this is the way. Walk in it. Devote yourselves, Paul says, to communicating with God once again, over and over again. Devote yourselves to looking for God throughout the day. Every good thing you see ultimately is from Him. Be giving thanks for that. Be looking for Him. As we stay watchful, as we stay grateful, the passion just continues to build in our lives. And our faith has this nonstop vibrancy. Understand, I'm not talking about surface-level emotions. I'm talking about a deep-seated joy and confidence. And there's just a spiritual quality that never goes away. I love Carrie Post more than I've ever loved her right now. We've been married for 16 years. I don't always get the goosebumps I did on our wedding night. But there's a deep love and joy that even the worst challenges of life will never take away. We're keeping that spark alive. And I'm just pleading with you, because that's all I can really do in this context. I'm pleading with you, don't sleepwalk through your relationship with God. And don't be blinded by your routine. And don't take anything for granted. 
Teach yourself to wake up to the beauty of every moment, the freshness of every moment. Teach yourself to wake up to the beauty of every person. Disciple yourself to live fully and to love fully. And we can only do these things if we're staying awake, if we're staying aware, if we're staying alert. Apply it to your marriage. Those of you that are husbands and wives in this room, I encourage you, do not take each other for granted. Look into each other. Look at one another. Not just, not right now, but in, in your everyday life. Look at one another. And be grateful for one another. Be grateful to one another. Remember the little things. Notice the little things. Be watchful in your marriage. And work at keeping that spark alive. Those of you that have children, it goes so fast, doesn't it? It goes so fast. You only have them for a moment. Tomorrow you'll be giving them away in marriage. You may not have them for very long. So be grateful for every second you have with them. Look, look at your kids. Look at them. And see the goodness and the wonder of God in that child's face. Be grateful. With your friends. Can I just tell you, true friends are hard to come by. When you have true friends, deep friendships, it's a gift from God. It's a blessing from the Lord. Be grateful that your journeys have intersected with one another because you might not have them tomorrow. Be watchful. Be grateful. Look at them. Look at God's creation. I'm trying to get flaky here, but I'm telling you, there's something to this. Look at the trees with fresh eyes. Look at the clouds with fresh eyes. Look at the birds and the squirrels with fresh eyes. See the wonder and the glory of God that we are swimming in. Yeah, there's a lot of ugliness and nastiness and destruction that, that happens in creation. There's a lot of beautiful, wonderful stuff as well. And just be alert. Look for it. Notice it. Take note. Acknowledge the goodness, the wonder, the beauty. It keeps you alive. It keeps you feeling alive. It fosters your connection with the Creator. And that's the last thing. Apply this to your relationship with the Lord. And here's what's interesting I've found is that the more and more I can train myself to see the beauty and the glory and the wonder of, of my spouse and my children and my friends and creation, I see the billions of things that are so beautiful and wonderful about these things. It's another way of seeing the beauty and the wonder and the goodness of God. Because God is the beauty behind all that is beautiful. God is the goodness behind all that is good. God is the joy that is behind all that is joyful. And, and if you and I can just get into this habit, and it's a habit that we've got to cultivate, where every day we just take a few moments and take notice of the mercies and the goodness and the blessing of God pouring into our life, you can't help but be filled with passion for the Lord. You can't help but see that, that flame fanned in your life. And God goes from being just a dead set of beliefs in your mind to now it's, the kingdom is just a reality in your life. And the passion and the vibrancy stays there. The goosebumps are not always there, but the vibrancy can stay. I'm telling you. See, God doesn't want a bride that just believes in him. He wants a bride that passionately loves him.
because he loves her that way. Now, let me end with just three real quick tips on how to stay awake. Because the minute you walk out of this building, you're going to return back to the, the ordinary mundane world that if you're not careful can just quite literally bore you to death and sap you of all life. So how do we stay awake? I want to give you three things. First of all, pay attention to our soul. Pay attention to your soul, the very core of who you are. Most of the time when God speaks to you, this is where he speaks. He speaks to the core of your being. So pay attention, be watchful for what's going on in your soul and ask God, what are you speaking right now, right here? And so explore questions in prayer like this. What are the urges right now in my soul? What are the um, promptings, the convictions that are, that are there? What is the pain? What pains am I experiencing in my soul? Why is there anxiety right now, for example? Maybe, you've, maybe you feel like you're becoming anxious Pay attention. Ask, what, are, what, am, what am I nervous about? Or what's this depression about? Pay attention to that because God can speak to you. I, this is one of the things I've tried to learn to do on a daily basis. I don't always do it every day, but I do it regularly. Is I'll take about 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and I'll sit up in my balcony, and I'll explore this. I'll pay attention to my soul. What's going on right now in here? And I'll look over my day, and I'll, I'll just ask prayerfully, what were the primary emotions that I noticed that were governing my day? I might ask myself, right now, what am I mad about? Is there any, any of that going on? Or what am I sad about? What am I glad about? And I pay attention to it. And then I ask the Lord, why is that there? Where is it coming from? What needs to change, if anything? What needs to be nurtured? What are you trying to speak to me out of this? Is this okay for you? I mean, you're getting this? Pay attention to your soul. Be watchful for what's going on in, in your inner life. Secondly, pay attention to new developments. This is about paying attention to this, maybe when a new thing captures your attention or a new thing moves you in a certain way or a new concern just sort of grabs your focus. See, sometimes we, we live life on autopilot and we just assume that life is always going to be the same. Today's going to be just like yesterday. Tomorrow's going to be just like today. The person I am five years from now, I'm going to be the same person I am today. None of that's true. Life is not a pond. Life does not stay the same. It's not stagnant. Life is a river that's constantly moving, constantly flowing. And God's in the river. And sometimes there are new things that God wants to birth in you if you'll pay attention to it. Like, like three years ago, four years ago, I started having this new thing that started to get birth in me, and it was this, this desire to begin writing. I, before that, I had never had any inkling of ever writing a book. It was never a thought. And when I was in school, English was my best subject. I hated math. I hated science. But I had a knack for English, especially when it came to creative writing and reading. It was something I enjoyed. And it was something I felt like I was really good at. And my grades attested to that. I was... It was just a gift that God had put in my life that's helped me in writing sermons, but I had never thought about writing more than sermons. But about four or five years ago, this, uh, this new urge starts to develop in me to begin writing. I just had something on my heart that I was like, I got to do something. I, I got to do something other than just talk about it. And so I wrote my first book, published in 2018, Healthy Prayer. 
And then just as that thing's getting published, something new starts emerging in me, another book that I just started working on for about three years. And I'm about to publish that one in September called Jesus People. This is a little promo, by the way. Um, and now, even now, as I'm getting ready to see this thing published, I got something new that's starting to get birth. And you see, this is the way life is. God never wants you to look exactly the same and everything to be exactly the same. He's constantly, just like Pierre, he's dropping things in your heart if you'll pay attention to it. New urges, new convictions, new ideas. If you'll listen, God wants to deposit those things in you. And the thing is, it may be inconvenient because it may call you to let go of something else. But that's what growth is all about, folks. And you're never too old to grow. You're never too old to do something new. Maybe there's a new interest. It, it could be something simple, a new passion, a new hobby. Or maybe a new ministry opportunity, a new mission trip or something. But that's what life's about. It's about growth, not stagnancy. It's movement. We've got to move at God's pace. And sometimes moving at God's pace means slow down. Sometimes it means get moving. Life is never, should, it should never get old. There should always be something new God's birthing in us. Be watchful for that. And then the last thing, and this leads right into it, the last thing I want to tell you is be creative. This is the enemy of all relationships is when it gets into a rut, when it gets into a routine, and we just start coasting. Because when we start coasting, we start getting lazy, and we stop being alert, and we're not diligent and vigilant and watchful. And the passion begins to seep out. So be creative. And I'm talking about all your relationships in marriage. Be creative in marriage. If you find like you're getting in a rut, you're getting a routine, begin to ask the Lord for an idea. Lord, what new adventure can we go on? Maybe there's a new hobby that God wants to give us. Maybe there's some new restaurant we can try. Something new. Something we can do together that we've never done before. But it also, and this is really where I want to bring it, 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 it applies to your relationship with God. Let me tell you, the way you do your relationship with God right now doesn't have to be the exact way you do your relationship with God forever. If you get in a rut, you ask God, Lord, what's something new that I can be doing? What new activity or new habit? I'll tell you for me what it was. I got in a rut spiritually when I was about 35 years old. I had been pastoring here for three years. I was doing fine. But I, I knew, I sensed that this is not a good trajectory. I need to get healthy. I need to be more healthy spiritually. And so I did something I never did before. I went on a spiritual retreat. I took one 24-hour period. I got away from people. I got away from my phone. I took my Bible. I, I had a, a cabin over there in Eunice. And I sat there for 24 hours, prayer and read my Bible and silence for 24 hours. Never did that before in my life. I'm, I'm ashamed to say it took me 35 years. But that retreat set into motion a series of events that absolutely began to transform my life. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe you've never been on a retreat with God before. Maybe that's something you need to put on the calendar and plan it out and say, all right, sometime in July or August, I'm going to get away for a Saturday or a weekend. I'm going to make my plans. I'm going to schedule this hotel room or this, this cabin somewhere, and it's just going to be me and Jesus for 24 hours. Try it. Try something new. Say, Holy Spirit, shake it up. Maybe it's a new routine of fasting. Some of you, maybe you don't have a routine, a fasting routine. 
Say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to invite the Holy Spirit to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stir this up a little bit. Let's, let's start doing some fasting here. One of the things that, uh, that I did a few years ago, back about uh, almost four years ago now, is I started shaking up my prayer life. I started do, praying much differently than I used to. And one of those elements that I added to my prayer life was just silence. Up until then, prayer for me was just nonstop talking to God. And so I said, you know what? I've been learning about this a little bit. I'm going to try it. Every day, I'm just going to get quiet before the Lord for a few minutes. I'm just going to be quiet. I'm just going to simply be with Jesus. Start doing it every day. And it just began to change my life. Be creative in your walk with God. If you care about your walk with God, take some steps, man. Take some risks. Do something you've never done before. Keep your eyes open. Be watchful for the new. If we just do life and coast on autopilot, you're going to miss it. Life is all about staying awake, watching with fresh eyes, watching with grateful eyes. Your spouse, your kids, your friends, creation, and, and even the Lord our God. Keep it fresh. Keep it new. Keep it alive. Stay vigilant. And you'll find that that spark comes back, that reality comes back, that passion comes back. And that's really what the kingdom of God is all about. Amen? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Northside Assembly of God, check out our website at www.northsidecrowley.com.